Hey, well, you did pretty good with a, a new song with no words on the screen. So um, why don't you turn to somebody and say, uh, acapella sounds good to me. Brother to brother, sister to sister. Hey, however you sounded, it sounded good to God. Amen. Yeah, we do have a little construction going on, as, uh, as you can tell, but it really is going to be something that will help uh, make our worship experience more even, more accessible to more people. Um, you know, a lot of things going on. If you're sitting up at the front, your sound quality is very different than where I sat in the back there and several other things. And we've got very large crowds that are coming to join us, even though we're going to two services. That's just so that they'll be crowded again, you know, in a few months. We want to be able to help our friends from the community and all of us be able to experience, you know, worship in the, the most uh, effective and meaningful way that we can. And thank you for all of you that have really worked so hard on, uh, you know, on this. Well, this is all about, as a church, loving God, loving people, and changing the world. That's very clear what the priority and the message in the Bible is all about. I'd like you to turn to Colossians chapter 3 right now. We ended our sermon last week in Colossians 3, and I've decided to begin this morning in Colossians chapter 3. Please turn there with me. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The immediate context in chapter 2, the Bible tells us that we've been buried and raised with Christ in baptism. It's very common right before we have the sermon uh, to have a baptism, or maybe several here on a Sunday morning. They play, take place all during the week. During this week, you'll be able to follow the people that have been baptized in your newsletter online. You know, Michael, uh, Jonasi, you know, um, uh, Kayla, so many have, have made this decision. And this passage is really not understandable to you unless you have a Christian view, a biblical view on baptism. There are many different views and many different opinions 2,000 years removed from the original teaching and the original preaching of the gospel. But it's very clear this passage only makes sense when it says you died. He's talking about when you died with Jesus in baptism, Romans chapter 6, and when you were raised to life. And so if you've been brought up with kind of a cavalier approach to baptism or thinking, I don't know if that's that really that big a deal or not, it doesn't matter when you do it, how you do it, what, for what purpose, you need to get dig back into the Bible because it's in the one Lord, one faith, one baptism category of Ephesians chapter 4 and in so many places. This is, this is an important thing because what the Bible is trying to do is trying to take us from our baptism when we made that decision Jesus is Lord and that's what the Church of Christ is all about Jesus as Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus sake 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 and in verse 5 and when we think about the spirit of this passage I want you to consider it here because he's saying okay if you have been baptized into Christ if you're thinking about being baptized into Christ 
you need to give this some great thought about the kind of lifestyle decision on a continual basis that you're making. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on the things on earth, for you died, and your true life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life, right, Philippians 1.21, for me to live as Christ, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. In these things you used to walk in your old life, but now you must put them all aside. It is because of these things the wrath of God is coming. So rid yourself of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, dirty language from your lips. And don't lie to each other because you put off the old self with its practices, and you put on the new self, which is being renewed day by day in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with gentleness, with humility, with kindness, and with patience and over all of these things put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts because as members of one body we've been called to peace and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and as you sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as serving the Lord and not men, for you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. That is the message of Colossians chapter 3 that is taking up the cross of Jesus that is how we live that is how we are reaffirm how to live and that is how we make our way in this life last week we um, we had a sermon that was was quite impactful and the brunt of the sermon was uh, began with uh, with this thought 
hey, be open with each other. Don't lie to each other. And in fact, I, uh, I went right over, um, you know, over this, uh, this passage and actually went over where it tells us that we are, uh, there, is no, uh, there is no Gentile, there is no Jew, there is no circumcised, there is no barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, for we are all in Christ and Christ is in all of us. So all these old distinctions you see in the new life and putting off the old self and putting on the new self have been wiped away. We're all one in Christ. The book of Galatians talks about it in the same baptism passage where it tells us that all of us who've been baptized into Christ have put on Christ and there's no longer Jew or Gentile or even male or female in that, in that whole way. And last week, uh, uh, Kendall Knight addressed that and he addressed it in his own personal, uh, from his own personal life. We appreciate Kendall, you know, teeing up, you know, that discussion, you know, for us. I think a lot of us appreciated his vulnerability, his tone, his humility, his straightforwardness, and his scriptural commitment. But for those of us who know Kendall, we appreciate the fact that for 25 years, he's been in the trenches with all of us and, uh, and working hard, you know, for us, you know, in the Lord. And uh, there's, there's actually been a little bit of a buzz. I want to just share personally a little bit, a little bit of buzz in a lot of the church about it because, you know, we don't normally talk in those kind of, on, on those kind of issues on a Sunday morning. We actually talk about it a great deal and probably need to do it more one-on-one -on -one and in small groups. And yet someone who's had that personal experience being able to share with us and open up about what it means to, uh, to try to un be understood, to try to understand rather than to be understood, was, was very meaningful. I think for some people, it, you know, I mean, it was quite a shock when you think about if you're a mom and dad that, uh, that some of you teach your, your children, particularly your boys, when a police officer pulls you over to put your hands up on the steering wheel and to be very careful about that. I've never personally had that conversation with one of my kids. I actually have been quite, you know, uh, nervous about police officers, but it wasn't for my, my physical health, it was uh, for my wallet because I tend to be a little sloppy in my driving, you know, to say the least. However, you know, that was, that was eye-opening, you know, for a lot of us. And what, we, what happens is that we all have a journey and we all have a, have, have a, uh, have a story. And what the, what the basic point, you know, last week was that, that I think it's important to remind you, is, as, as Kendall said, this is not an affirmative action message or a political, you know, our civil rights message. This is about trying to love like Jesus loved. This is about trying to have compassion, or as we used to say in the old days, to walk a mile in somebody's moccasins, okay? And to try to be able to understand and, uh, you know, and not just to be understood, to be able to have compassion because we go, th we go through a lot in our lives, guys, and church is done, you know, uh, following Jesus is done as a group, in a body, and particularly a New Testament church is a very diverse church. It's not just little slices, you know, of homogeneous, you know, sort of folks. It's all different kinds of people. And yet, there's a lot going on in our lives. Celeste Cackley lost her dad this morning. Some of you know what it's like to lose a parent. Some of you have no idea. Some of you know what it's like to be abused as a child. Some of us have no idea what that, what that does, how that reacts. Some of us... Uh, are single moms or single parents and some of the rest of us really don't know what that life is like. Some of us are from another country. 
I've been in another country before, haven't you? And it's weird. And people look at you oddly, even if you're making an attempt to speak the language and you don't feel quite like you really fit in. And when somebody makes you feel warm and accepted, that's very much appreciated. You know, on a day-to-day, I think every disciple understands if you're actively sharing your faith and being a disciple of Jesus, there are some people that just flat out avoid you. And you know what it's like to feel out of step and a little weird. And how about our middle school and high school students trying to go to school every day and to live for Christ? You don't think they feel a little weird? You don't think they're going through some stuff that some of the rest of us aren't going? The idea is to try to understand what each other are going through. If you're a parent, you got adult children and they're struggling, you know what it's like. And some people don't. The idea that I pulled out of that, uh, that lesson was very helpful for me. Is that, um, you know, it's a good thing, Tom, for you to, to talk to people and say, how's it going with you in your life situation? I turned to a brother last week that I'd studied the Bible with, you know, 10 years ago, but whose life has really changed as he's older now and retired and basically, you know, in a different church, in a different kind of lifestyle. Bro, how's it going with you? It's really important to connect and to do our best because we've all got this different history. And where this takes place, it doesn't take place just on Sunday morning. It takes place in our in our individual lives and relationships. And I like the fact there are a lot of conversations that went on, you know, about this. And some feeling, wow, that was really awesome. And naturally, some people thought it could have been expressed in a different way. But, you know, hey, here's, here's the deal. Let me state the obvious. We are not a perfect church. Can I get an amen on that? We have absolutely no perfect numbers. That includes you and definitely me. We never have a perfect sermon. Unless you turn to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. You got some perfect ones there. Don't expect one this morning. But we can be really appreciative when somebody opens the Bible and shares their heart. And by the way, I just want want to let you know, appreciate Kendall for all the things that he shared. And that was not in isolation. Bob and Kendall and Jeff and I have been talking for a couple of months now. How can we help our church get closer together and understand each other and work together more? This is not a Sunday morning series thing. This is a involved in each other's lives on a weekly basis, you know, kind of thing. And uh, we, uh, we, we appreciate everybody working with this because, wow, what we read about in Colossians chapter 3, that's going to take a lot. That's going to take a lot of work. And... Um, You know, Christianity is about so much more than truth. It's about grace and truth. It's about redemptive relationships. It's about compassion. It's about loving like Jesus loved. It's pushing through the conventional and the comfortable and to continue to move on. And so that's why the Bible is going to tell us here, therefore, as God's chosen people, it's good to be chosen, right? Holy and dearly loved, God's grace, amen. Clothe yourselves. I mean, just like you put on your clothes today. 
you thought about what you were going to wear. You didn't put on your tank top and sandals, we hope. Campus, check each other out, because sometimes you get a little sloppy on that. We thought about what we were going to wear, and we put it on. And a Christian, every day, thinks about what kind of clothes they're going to put on. These are the clothes. Clothe yourself with what's the very first thing out of the day? gate? Compassion. That means learning how to feel and connect with each other and to understand what each other are going through, to feel with each other. Some of you are naturally good at that. I'm not naturally good at that. God blessed me to have a marriage to teach me that, you know, and I've been working on it over the years, okay? But that's something that's the spirit of Jesus, and so the more I follow Jesus, the more compassionate I'm going to get. Clothe yourself with compassion. What else? Kindness. What else? Humility. Humilité. Okay, what else? Gentleness. What else? Patience with everyone. You clothe yourself with that. And now let's talk about one that uh, Jesus talked about a great deal. And how about in the Church of Christ we become experts at forgiveness? What do you think? Why? Because Jesus puts an absolute imperative on it. And here's what Paul says. Forgive or bear with each other. Bear each other's burdens. We'll see another passage on that. Bear with each other. You know, in a large church, small church, big family, small family, you got to learn how to bear with people. When they're a bear, when you're a bear, you know, you're the bear, you know, with them. Because you have a lot of opportunities to forgive each other when you're in a family, right? Spiritual family, roommates, or otherwise. How do we forgive as the Lord forgave us? Amen? Easy to do, right? Wrong. It's not easy to do. But it's commanded. Forgive as the Lord forgave us. You. This is something the uh, actually the disciples had to work with and to struggle with. You remember when Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray? That would be like me and you teaching us how to pray, right? And one of the things he says in this prayer is he says to pray to on this idea of forgiveness. God, forgive me of my debts. That's an old-time word, you know, not not your visa, you know, or your student debt. He's talking about your sins, your trespasses. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Will people sin against you? Once or twice in your lifetime, or more like once or twice a week? Maybe a little bit more. God, forgive me the way that I forgive others. Now, be careful when you pray that prayer. And then he goes on to say, in a very powerful, you know, uh, another a couple of verses later, for if you forgive other people when they sin... Your Heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Did that catch anybody's attention? Do you believe that? There are many ways to respond to it. Peter shows us one. They're hearing these sermons. They're hearing what Jesus is saying. And Peter kind of says, you know, okay, how many times? How many times? I don't want to forgive too many times. Get unbalanced. How many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Again, it's the obvious thing. Your brother or sister will disappoint you, hurt you, embarrass you, sin against you, however you want to put it on this. And, and Peter gets, you know, real generous, up to seven times. 
Seven's a beautiful biblical number, Jesus. How about seven times? I can keep track of that, you know. And then Jesus answered, no, Peter, I tell you, not seven times, but seven, 70 times seven, or 77, as some of the translations say. And Peter, you know, if Peter's there, you know, and Peter and the rest of the Bible, he's going like, where's my iPhone? Andrew, come on up. And then, and, and then old John, Apostle John, is looking at him. Good night, Peter, come on. Get with it. And dawns on him, and then this frustrates probably Peter. What? That's like never ending. And he's huh. Simon the Zealot, who has a huge problem with forgiveness, is over here in the corner. He basically throws his coffee cup down and starts sulking off, you know, into uh, you know, into the distance there. This is very difficult for some people to forgive as the Lord forgave them. Nespa, true? Absolutely. And this is this falls down where, you know, where, you know, where we live in our in our lives. And so what Jesus does, he says, Hey, hey, Peter, come on over here. I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story. If you want to follow along, it's in Matthew chapter 18. Peter, let me tell you a story. There was a king and a kingdom, and he wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So he gathered them all together. Again, you can follow along in Matthew chapter 18. I'll just summarize. Basically, you got this one servant who owes this king a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, some people estimate in today's dollars it's in the millions. He has no ability to pay. And so the king says, okay, we're going to have to send you off to prison, debtor's prison. And so he gets down on his knees, and he begs, and he pleads, and he says, king, please, please, I'll pay back every cent, which is a ridiculous statement, okay, because it's never going to happen. The king gets moved in his heart, I guess with compassion, and he forgives that servant the complete amount of his debt. Is that not good news? That's like us being forgiven by God. And then he goes out, and he meets a guy who basically owes him 100 bucks. And he says, I want that money, and I want it right now. And the guy goes, it's the same thing. Please, please, I'll definitely pay you back. I'm sorry, I'm really light this month. And this guy will not buy it, and he's, he's so mean-spirited, he actually sends the guy off to jail until his family can come up with 100 bucks. The servants get upset with, with it. They go and tell the king, and the king calls this guy in on the carpet. And he says, I forgave you all of this debt, and you can't forgive your fellow servant a measly hundred bucks. You're going to jail, and he, he goes, and you'll be tortured there. Are you looking in your Bible? You will be tortured there. That's an interesting addition you know, to it right before verse 35 until you're able to pay back the whole thing. And here is the punchline that Jesus says. This is how my Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from the heart. Does this seem important? Like a lot or a little? Do you have any problem at all with forgiveness? You may not even know. You may be out of touch. Have some conversations with people around you. Talk with God. Better yet, read the Bible. 
because if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit will convict you of that. And even if you're not, it many times will be able to do that, you know, as well. I want to tell you something, okay? I want to share, like, personally from, uh, you know, from my heart. I have sinned a lot. Right, Kelly? Before and after baptism, and I've sinned more after baptism by a long shot than even before. I've done some terrible, despicable things. So much that I got fired, you know, from being in the ministry. So much so that I almost lost my family. Well, many different things. I've shared it very openly. You know, it's embarrassing. I'm very sorry about it. I've repented of it, but it's true. I have sinned a lot. Big sins and little sins. There is one sin I try to never commit, at least as I'm in touch with it, and to be as, 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 as hard as I can, and that's to not extend forgiveness to somebody, whether they've asked for it or not. Why? Because I'm not stupid. I want to be forgiven of a lot, a big bunch. I'm not stupid. I do my best to give the benefit of the doubt, to forgive. Yeah, you get older, you learn it, you do a little bit better, or you get worse. Hopefully you get better. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing because of the seriousness of this. You do have people that have hurt you. You do have people right now, when you think about them or you see them walking down the sidewalk or maybe even, you know, in an aisle in church where you kind of recoil back because they hurt you. They didn't give you some money. They said a bad thing about you. They, uh, they were insensitive, you know, to you. They're, um, you know, uh, Jesus had a couple of things to say about that. You remember where he is here in Luke 23? Where is he? He's on a cross. He's dying for these guys' sin who put him there. Not just his mom and John, but for those soldiers who've even put him there. He's dying for them. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What? They know exactly what they're doing. True? They know exactly what they're doing. They're getting rid of this guy. They're torturing him. That's what they're doing. And yet Jesus knows they somehow they don't get it, though. Do you know there are going to be people that don't get you? You know that? They just don't get you. And you don't get them. And you're hurt by them. And sometimes unconsciously, sometimes consciously. You know, these guys, this is, I mean, this is, this is bad enough that this is what's going on. But Jesus responds with compassion it's not just that they know what they're doing they don't give a flip they care about one thing profiting from his torture that's it and so they're just thinking about how they can profit from this guy's demise and maybe grab a little clothing take it down to goodwill and pick up enough to go get a drink that's it they don't care that's a hard person to forgive. That's a hard person to forgive. As the Lord Jesus forgave them. Thing is, sometimes, like we get, I, we do get hurt. 
we do get hurt. I asked Anthony Sisko to knock up one of his, uh, his cartoons. Ever hear of social media? I try to avoid it at all costs, and I generally do. Did you know you can hurt people on social media? You, you can hurt people by sending an email too quickly. I did it three days ago. And this little cartoon says, wow, these comments on my Facebook posting are brutal, and they're all for my friends. Yeah, social media has turned me antisocial. When people hurt you online, in person, you may unfriend them, but you can't unforgive them. Didn't he do that one again? You may unfriend them, but you can't unforgive them unless you want to be in Matthew chapter 18 at the end of that story. And, and I don't. I honestly think this is something that we got to talk about because so many, so many times our hurts, they are kind of petty, right? Somebody didn't remember my birthday or worse yet, my kid's birthday. I was hurting because I went, I lost a job or maybe even worse, you know, one of my, one of my relatives, you know, passed away and was really hurt and, and, and you didn't remember or you didn't think about it or you didn't like the way I did X, Y, and Z. You didn't like what I did in the family group. You didn't like how I organized this thing. You didn't, a lot of times it's because we're kind of left out and we're passed over, you know, or we're ignored, you know. These, these, these things are not equivalent to getting crucified on a cross. They really aren't. Jesus died on a cross, and he said, hey, follow in my steps in suffering. And so let's really work on clothing ourselves with humility, right? Gentleness, kindness, patience, long-suffering, and not pettiness. Or even real hurtful injustices that take place where somebody had no right to do that to you. But still, you're going to get down on your knees and do what Jesus said, even if they're an enemy, and to do what for your enemies? To pray for them. Shut your mouth if you're not praying for them. And then if you need to do what Jesus said and go to them directly in Matthew chapter 18, great. You know, you can be able to do that. And sometimes we do need to go directly and communicate with each other. And this is why we got the Bible, and it teaches us. In Galatians chapter 6, feel free to follow along, or you can read this pretty clearly. Brothers and sisters, talking to the church, if somebody is caught in a sin, those of you who live by the Spirit or are spiritual should restore that person gently. Will people sin? You bet. Okay, one more time. I know you think it's corny when I do it, but I'm not likely to stop it anytime soon. Okay, look at the person next to you. Maybe look at the person in the row behind you, okay, or across the way. It is likely in your lifetime this person is going to hurt you, even sin against you in some way. It's likely. Okay, don't be resolving it right now. We're still like in the sermon, okay? I got like like seven minutes okay work on that after church but what he says if you if somebody is overtaken in a trespass those of you who are spiritually should do what restore him in a spirit of what gentleness and the word restore is like restoring a broken bone you ever had a broken bone and got a reset you appreciate at least a, a, a modicum of gentleness that's what gentleness if you feel like you you uh, you see something and he says, but you know what? You better watch yourself lest you're tempted. 
Because when you're trying to help somebody else, you got to watch your own attitude. You could get into that thing yourself, or you could get, you know, a less than humble, gentle, kind attitude, you know, toward them. And so then he says, bear each other's burdens. Come on, think about what they went through. Maybe what? Maybe they had a horrible day. Maybe, you know, whatever. Just try to connect. Bear, take care of them. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And, and just in case you're wondering, if anybody thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Okay, gang, let's not forget 1 Corinthians 13. So we think we're so smart and wise and we got it figured out and we know what's right and we know what's wrong and we know what this person should have done and whatever. Here's what the Bible says, okay? If, if you could speak with the tongues of men and angels but don't have love, you are gong show, okay? If you have all wisdom of all mysteries but without love, you're nothing. That's what the Bible says. Even if you sacrifice everything you have, you know, but don't have love, you gain nothing. Does that put it in perspective? So let's bag the thing. I know I'm right. I got this thing figured out. You may, but how about loving the people, forgiving the people, and bear their burdens? And just be like Jesus. Okay, we're all on a journey on this. I certainly haven't arrived. If you have, please come and chat with me and let me know some of your secrets, you know, on, uh, you know, on this. Um, and, and, and then, uh, you know, we go on, well, these above all passages, we already saw it in Colossians 3.14. Above all these things put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Above all else, love one another how? Deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. If we had time, we would sing the greatest commands, love one another. I planned that in the sermon, but I got excited for the first 25 minutes, and I'm not going to do it now because we're going to try to keep faithful and he'll go get our kids, you know, generally on time. But let's sing it again soon. How about All Church Midweek? We'll be back here All Church Midweek, right? Okay, and we'll sing Love One Another, the greatest, the greatest commands. Because, you see, nobody has ever seen God, right? Nobody. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. Is that not great? Okay? And the, the problem is, like a lot of us, not just Christians, but people out in the world, we like, I'm a loving person. I love the world. I really do. I love mankind. I really do. I love people. Generally speaking, there's just some people I can't stand. I don't want to be around them. I don't like them. I want to change the channel. When they're on, I want to avoid them. I don't want to think about them. We understand that. Linus is not the only one in a room that struggles with this kind of thing. But you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another in love. Fourth of July, right? Celebrate our freedom. However, freedom is not number one. Love is. Your freedom to swing your arm is limited by the length of my nose. We've got freedom, but the idea is we use it to serve people. Not to just indulge in that fallen nature that all of us have, and that's why we do need to become a Christian. And continue to be a Christian and have God's Holy Spirit in our lives.
Whoever claims to love God, here we get very serious again, like Matthew 18. But to be faithful to this topic, I've got to do this. Here's John again. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is what? I didn't say it. You didn't say it. The Bible does. And whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen, you can't love God whom you've never seen. And he's given to us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother. Let's close out here. Now, let's talk about the definition of love. We'll need to keep working on this. This is how we know what love is. Yeah. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our life for our brothers and sisters in our family group, in our ministry, our roommates. It's a high call, but it's there. We all know John 3.16. We've quoted it since we were little kids. That is the gospel. God so loved the world that he did give his only son who came and laid his life down for us. And yet the Bible tells us that what true love is, we learned it from John 3.16, and that we, in the same way, should follow Jesus, not just believe in him. And do our very best. And that's why we need the church and we need the Holy Spirit, right? We need, we need help on this. And it's a, pro, it's a process. It's a journey. It's a trajectory that we need to continue to try to keep working on in, you know, in, you know, in our lives. In, in about a month span, we go through Memorial Day and we go through the 4th of July. And at these times, we do remember those who sacrificed, those who died those who laid down their lives, you know, you know, for us. I, um, before I'm done here, I want to recommend a movie. How about that? Is that okay? Wasn't overly fired up to see it, but it was Wonder Woman. <laughs> Setting all kind of box office records. There are always cynics that will say, hey, this, that, and the other was wrong, and the ending was too whatever no there are no perfect movies either I want to tell you what I got out of that because it tied in with what I was thinking this week about these scriptures I've been marinating myself in the beautiful thing about this movie is not just that it was it was big and well acted and you know funny sometimes and you know engaging it had a deeper theme, and it was that theme that mission is more important than personal agenda. The mission is more important than just what is going on in our lives. And when you've got a team around you, it helps you with this. And that all of mankind is indeed fallen with a great propensity for good. However, there is a dark side and an earthly nature. That, that, that combats against us on a daily basis. And that love is the only thing that can ultimately change men and women's hearts to change the world. It's unconditional love. All of those themes seem to be borrowed from, you know, the big book, the Bible. They've been revealed in the Bible for a long time. It's the story of John 3.16 that God so loved the world he gave his only son and it's, it's modeled in Jesus' church today as men and women 
following in his steps, take up that same priority to love each other and to lay down their lives for each other. To follow in his steps, brothers and sisters, we must certainly lengthen our stride. We need each other. We need the Bible. We need the scriptures. We do want to love God, love people, and change the world. And someday, that's going to be able to be experienced by us in our world and even greater in a greater way. And we'll close out as Jesus told us what is so important. He said, you want a commandment? Here it is. Here's the new commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another, and by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, because you love one another. Amen.